We are live, gentlemen. Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, welcome to another uh, After Hours. My name is Mark DeMeo. I'm your host, my host, my partner in all things law enforcement is with me tonight with Bill. How's it going? Great to be here. I pulled up. Um, yeah, something's going wrong. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, okay, yeah. We're, we're doing good now. All right, I heard you before, but uh, all right, we were on the delay there. So anyway, so what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode. We have an exciting guest tonight. Uh, he's a retired NYPD Brooklyn North homicide sergeant. Um, he was uh, the he was he was the chief assistant chief of patrol for the Taxi and Limousine Commission. He was a big shot of JetBlue, and he's currently working at. I just uh, I just heard the new one. I didn't see it on your resume, but uh, let's give it up for Sean Kelly, folks. How are you? Hey, how's it going? Thank you, thank you, guys. How you doing, Sean? You've had you've had more jobs than anyone I know <laughs> since they left the job. You know. Hey, listen, I'm trying this to afford a great education for the kids. You know. <laughs> That's what it's all about, right? Yes, yes, sir. It's all about the kids. Yeah, they're God's blessing. That's what I, you know. What nobody understands it. I didn't understand it until you actually have kids. It's uh, yeah. I don't care. Where are you? I'm home now. I'm in Long Island, so I just got off work a little while ago. Um, I'm the captain over at uh, Delphi University. I'm in charge of the uh, emergency management and training for Delphi University. That sounds right, like a great. very uh. A very responsible job, Sean, you know? Oh, yeah, it is. In, in fact, I'm going to show you wearing your good humor shirt. <laughs> <laughs> That's your Adelphi you uh, Yeah, uniform? I wear it once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in case man. they have like, uh, what, what do they have over there, like a book missing or something? Somebody returned uh, it. Hey, you know what? Uh, <laughs> I really can't talk about it, but it's, it's, it's busy. It's busy. Uh even yeah. though the kids, a lot of kids didn't come back this uh, semester, mm -hmm. a lot of stuff is being done over the Zoom, but we do still have a lot of kids on campus, and it's a uh, wonderful, wonderful university. I'm, uh, I'm honored to be working at the Delphi University. What's well, the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest thing you get involved in? Well, my biggest thing over there is just the emergency management, because as you know, over the years, we had a lot of uh, different events that happen on campuses from shootings to everything. So um, I, pre I pretty much have like the emergency management plans going to affect threat assessment. And I'm actually in charge of the diversity training for the security department. So diversity and uh, inclusion, which uh, we train. I'm, I'm actually have about 30 some guys. I just got finished training the last training session tomorrow morning. So we can be one community with the officers. So they're not looking at us as Gustavo, you know, agents coming in. I like to everybody to be, you know, know that we're there for them, help them out, time of needs. And we have a lot of uh, our former and current officers, children that go there. So I like to provide safety for them as well. Hey, uh, Bill, did you notice uh, Glenda from Pop? Glenda, I, mean, I said it good before, Pospisil. Oh, yes. She's from Australia, right? Hi, Glenda. Glenda from Australia. It's amazing. What time is it in Australia? It must be two days from now. It's going to be old news by the time you get it. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how you got people that come on, like they're waiting for us to come on. Scotty Wagner's there. 
of course, because he ain't got nothing better to do. Peter Pranzo. What's up, Scotty? <laughs> Michael McCoff. Oscar. Uh, Oscar was one of the SBA delegates with us. Remember, we used to, uh, have, we used to have dinner and, and, and plot things we were going to do. <laughs> oh, let me tell you something. Oscar's a good man. I was. Uh, I had the pleasure of working with him and Billy were delegates together. Let me tell you something. Some, some great men I had the honor of working with. And uh, with in the SBA, truly an honor. Remember, remember when we had that round table with Pulaski? That was a oh my one, god, right? yeah, that was <laughs> that was crazy, you know. But we, you know, we came in there with a, a cause and a purpose, and we tried to get things done. You talk about some street, uh, street cops, good men sitting at the table trying to get things done the right way. And uh, so I talking to somebody that really wasn't an investigation, you know. <laughs> so. You know, he didn't really want to hear what we. He didn't really want to hear what we had to say either. Not at all. <laughs> yes, Mister Death was like, get out of my office, you know. <laughs> all right, we did the hour. Now get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I had a one-on-one -on -one meeting with him too. That mm -hmm. was pretty interesting for this uh, yeah. course that I came small up. Guy, small guy, but you didn't want to hear what oh, we yeah, had to say. Yeah, yeah. It was on uh, social media and how to catch bad guys off of social media. Yeah. I created like a training course and I had to go in there and and, and walk them through it. I was scared. I tell you that. It was just yeah. me and him and, uh, you know, the guy I had to talk to when I had to answer a question. I would answer that guy, and then he would tell the boss. It was like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I mean, Billy and I all come to the old school. You know, to knock on doors and hit the streets, you know? Yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah. That's right, man. Well, he didn't want to hear it. So, Sean, what are you what are you packing these days? You're like 6'4", how much? 6'4", uh, 305. Oh, my God. Much you got to be. Too much weight. I'm trying to. You're an intimidating yeah. guy for a college campus. Oh, let me tell you something, but you know, it's like the teddy bear coming there and yeah, smooth <laughs> him. Hey, how's everybody doing? Kill him with kindness. <laughs> I learned that from my old boss, uh, Eddie Lott in the 7-3 squad. Kill him with kindness. They <laughs> love you to great, death. Man. That's great. Yeah. And then Mike Blake as well, you had on your show. I um, love Mike Blake, man. Mike, He's Mike, is, Mike is, uh, I can tell you, I wish he had stayed a little longer, but uh Excellent, excellent supervisor. I had the honor of working under him for for some time in narcotics. Yeah. Excellent boss. He's he's a great man. Yeah, yeah, all around, all around. Great, great uh, man on the job. Great uh, father. You know, yeah. he's a mentor. Now he's a financial advisor. Are you going to give us? You going to give your money oh, to he him? Or money. What? Here he has my money already. <laughs> Married financial rules. That's why I have to work two jobs <laughs> <laughs> to cover your losses. <laughs> yeah, very financial. They, they do a good job, but they got all my money. Sean, I, th I think you're a, like a Florida guy at heart. I, I know you're going to escape to Florida one of these days. Yeah, you know, uh, like I said, it's trying to, right now, it's trying to make sure my daughter, she's graduating in May with her MBA from St. John's. So, um, yeah, she's that's excellent. Yeah, that's my pride and joy. So the other three boys. So uh, I had two in the Marine Corps. So you know, you have two excellent. sons in the Marine Corps. Yeah, one one is just uh, di. The other one just got out. Um, he went back to Hawaii to work on the wings. He got a contracting job there now. Wow. So, and both boys are having uh, children at the same time in this June. So he'll be a grandfather. June or July. <laughs> Grandpapa. You know, yeah. sure, I wanted to I want to recount a funny story to you. I don't know if you remember yeah. it. It was about two years ago at the sergeant's uh Christmas party. Okay. Maybe two, three years. I mean, you know, two or three years ago. Right. And you were hanging out with all brothers, right? Oh yeah. And I walked over and the whole it was like the whole thing 
just broke up. I was like, what did I do? <laughs> I said, listen, we all have to get along, you know. Hey, but you know, at, at heart, yeah, I love. I look at everybody equally, you know. Uh, don't I don't discriminate against anybody. You know, we all sat at the table. I, I'm just busting you, chops. No, I know, I know. Like, but you know what? You, know, what did I say? A, I didn't say anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I. You know what's funny is that um, I grew up in um, in Great Neck, which is predominantly Jewish. I went to a predominantly all Jewish school, and you know, I had to learn a lot of diversity and stuff like that. I went to temples, kids. My best friend is Jewish. Wow. And um, you know, I went to all Jewish camps, <laughs> you know. So wow. it was great. I got um, you know, I got I got a lot of knowledge of doing that. And then when I came on the job, you know, I was an undercover for uh for four and a half years. So you couldn't have been six four three oh five as an undercover. No, I was six four a hundred, <laughs> I was a hundred and eighty pounds soaking ring and wet. Oh my god. So, coming from Nassau County Sheriff's Department, that's where I started my career at law enforcement in Nassau wow. County. So, and you but, came uh, on in what 1990 was it? Yeah, uh, October 1990. So, but I started in Nassau County before that, two years before that. Um, great experience, you know. A lot of my friends were running around, hanging out in clubs and everything, and I'm sitting on a tier watching inmates at 20 years old. But, it, <laughs> but you know what? It shaped me to be the person I am today, and and give like the right attitude to people and stuff like that, you know. And, I, and then. It helped me with NYPD. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, definitely did. And then joining, um, and then when I have an opportunity to be the director in OCCB and SBA, you know, under Ed Mullins, that was another great experience, you know, and then working with you guys in the, when I came back to the Bureau as a boss, that was outstanding, you know. Well, you, you mean, the, were you in the Equipment Bureau? No, yeah, the Equipment Bureau, yeah. <laughs> That's what that's what wanted to put me at if I had one more shooting now. Yeah. How many how many shootings did you have? I had five shootings and that's what told me my next stop was gonna be the uh the property clerk's office. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> But you, know, you were you were in the seven nine, right? In the eight four and yeah, and I started in the uh one oh five for a hot minute. Um it was nice, it was close to home, but um I would never recommend as a, a new rookie coming on the job going to Queens. Maybe in your latter part of your career, and Mike Blake used to break my shoes about that. Oh, you haven't been a cop till you got to Brooklyn, and I put in for Brooklyn and I never left. Nice. Couldn't even get me back when they forced me, trying to force me to Queens. I'm like, I'm staying in Brooklyn. That's because yeah. you worked you worked in do or die bed style, right? <laughs> I worked there. I worked in uh, six seven the Terra Dome. You know, it was uh, but a lot of great people in those communities. Though they treated me well, um, never really had any issues over there. And um, again, when you work in those eight houses, you know how it is. They, you know, you know the streets, you know the people, you know the players out there. You know what you got to do. You got to talk to the community to get what you got to get. You know, for sure. Yeah, hey, uh, so. Nick, uh, Nick the Goat eight four five. Thank you so much for uh, the five dollar uh, super chat, man. We really appreciate it. We do appreciate. Thank you very much, Nick. Hey, uh, before we started, you mentioned you, you were telling the story, and I, I always get nervous because uh, sometimes yeah. you go on a little bit earlier and people start telling these great stories, so I don't want to forget it. You were talking about being involved in a shooting, and yeah. at the same time, there was another shooting. Tell us about that. Yes, uh, like, and Billy knows as well, uh, March 10th is a very bad day in NYPD history. We lost uh, some great officers. 
And that was my um, first shooting in uh, Queens Narcotics. We were out there doing a uh, buy and bust operation. Um, and we actually were doing a case buy. And the guy came out the house, told us to get away from him, you know, and we knew he was one of the subjects we were trying to buy from. So it was another ghost we had on the block. It was 164 in Henderson in the 103 precinct. Uh, the guy said, if I come back here, you're still here, you're going to get it. Guy comes out the house. He's about 20 feet away from us and started shooting at us. And our field team is down the block and we're coming over the air. You know, 1013, 1013, 164 in Henderson. And the next thing you know, Central saying, what borough are you in? Oh, I'm in Queens. She goes, 164 is not in Manhattan. 164 is in Queens. And then at the same time, didn't realize Officer Detective Lopez, who was in Manhattan North, narcotics, he got shot and killed. And our 1013s came over at the same time. And, um, you know, we lost a good brother to the uh, to the to the fight out there, and um, we had the two undercovers from Staten Island get killed the same day, buying guns. Oh man, I remember yeah, that. So, I went out there yeah. to that. One yeah, of them was, used to work in the two three. I think yes. Nemerin, Officer Nemerin. And usually yeah. March tenth, I always take off because you know it's like a it's a day that you know I just like stay at home and just do nothing. They can't figure out why. But, you know, there's too many good good people. Even losing one officer is just devastating. And, you know, all across my career, you know, I worked with uh, with in the 6-7 with Parker and Rafferty when I was in night watch. And, and I actually was a sergeant in auto loss at the time. I was off duty and heard of it. And I, I raced right to Kings County Hospital. And I was I looked at um, Bobby on the, on the table there. And I was with, uh, at the time, Inspector DiDonato, Espo was in the room. And, um, you know, just the frustration in your face and in your heart, because they were like they were like family to us, you know? And every time that day comes up around September, it's very, you know, very emotional. You know, just like the, this 20th anniversary, because you like Billy, you know, you and I both won the job for the first bombing in 90, uh, 93 and the second one in 2011. Yeah. So, you know, I remember, you know, it's just things are sad, you know, but thank God we're here today to talk about it and, you know, and reflect on those days. You know, Sean, you used the term just for our um, our listeners, uh, you used the term ghost and yes. a ghost in narcotics is someone <laughs> who uh, he he follows the undercover. He's the backup for the undercover and he protects the undercover in case someone jumps the undercover. So that's the term ghost. I just wanted to let all people that aren't from the police world know that. It's, it's a hard job, just buying drugs. I mean, and the, the time I was in narcotics, uh, I worked in the district for a hot second, and then I went upstairs to major case, and um, I was buying kilos, I was buying guns, uh, everything. In a six-month period, um, I bought over uh, 400 firearms and two pipe bombs. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I was, that was my start at the time was uh, Larry O'Leary. Uh, I, I played yeah. football with Larry. Yeah, Larry, yeah. Larry's a good man. You know, I see him once in a while. He's a tough game. dude. He was, he was on yeah. the NYPD football team yes, for 14 yeah. years. Good. As he I'm would describe dude. it, I was the monster linebacker. <laughs> Let me tell you something. We used to break his shoes all the time, but 
you know, he was a gentleman, gentleman in the sky. He was a tough dude, Larry. Yeah, yeah. Well, we broke his shoes in narcotics. We called his wife to find out what tour we were doing the next day. <laughs> <laughs> but, you great. know, it was, I was great. I was so happy to see him at the SBA party a few years ago. You know, still looking good. Great, yeah. great shape. Great man, great man. Sean, you had some wild career, man. I had no idea you were an undercover. 400 yeah, guns you bought? Yeah, yeah. The That's six very impressive, tour. man. Yeah, I actually, I was on loan to the uh, Joint Firearms Task Force, which at that time was working with the real ATF on Queens Boulevard. And I got to work with uh, Vic Chockwick, uh, Michael Parker, and all those guys, um, Brendan Finn um, from the Pipe Band. Um, very good, very good team we got to work with. And um, their case was all federal, which was great, you know? So, well, what, kind of, what, what was your hook? Like, how did you. Um, <clears throat> What was your personality as an undercover? Like, did you dress a certain way? Did you, where were you from? I'll be honest with you. I'm going to tell you a story. You're not even going to believe it. My wife says, oh, you grew up in Great Neck. Once you're like um, an all Jewish area, who's going to sell you drugs? I showed her <laughs> what I did and what I bought. She still can't believe it. She goes, they got to read some stupid criminals out there. I said, no, you have the gifted gab. You got to talk to these individuals. I infiltrated uh, um, the Colombians, uh, Asians. Um, what else? Um, we had uh, my units in lower Manhattan. Um, it was just, it was crazy. I went up to Manhattan. I, I think that was the scariest I ever was. I saw this kid, he had to be like four foot 11. I get behind the door, they had more locks on there, and the gun was bigger than him. And he was trying to make me take a hit. And I'm like, I know it wasn't gonna do a forced ingestion where you actually have to take uh, take a hit of the cocaine or the heroin. I wasn't doing that. So you have to have a gift of the gab. And I was in there with no firearm because when I go into, when I used to go into these buildings and stuff like that behind closed doors, that's the last thing I wanted to do is get caught with a firearm. You're outnumbered, you know? So I'd rather take my chances with my hands, you know? So I can still fight. <laughs> but what Billy will tell you is it's, uh, it's a strange world. And I, and I had, and I knew my field team uh, we had some great guys. They were all, most of them were all Brooklyn cops. So, you know, I knew if I had to get out of there, they heard that they heard that noise. They were coming through that door, you know. So um, I was blessed. And Sean, sometimes the, um, another thing that some of our listeners don't know, you did you have a Kel on with you to for the backup Sometimes team? I had a Kel. Larry was big with me on wearing a Kel. I was totally against it because, first of all, I was like skin and bones and it would heat up on my body. And then some of the stuff they we had stuff from 1960. So I'm walking around with a with a um, a hat that uh, had polymer cigarettes and something like that. I'm like, who the hell? That you know, I'm walking around the stuff in Jamaica. So I had to fit in, and um, you know, knowing the territory and stuff like that. I got cut my middle finger. They cut me down to my bone um, for buying two vials of crack because the guy said he didn't recognize me. So he said, if it, please come in and I get caught. I know you're the cop. I know how I marked you. So oh, he was, a, he was, yeah, he was a lost subject for a while, and they got him like three weeks later. You know, um, those things are hard to do. Huh? What did he use? How did he cut you? What did he use? Oh, he had a razor. He had a razor. You, uh, you know, just like in jail, these guys spit the razor out of their mouth. They have it in their mouth to cut you. You know. So when when you got him, did you slap the shit out of him or what? Well, I wasn't. I was still <laughs> undercover. I was listen. I was still an undercover. So the field team, you know. Whatever they did, they did. <laughs> you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, he was under arrest, and, and I just 
gave the description of him, and that was it. Yeah. You know, um, like I said, you know, uh, we had a we had a really good unit when I was working downstairs with Larry O'Leary, and then when I flipped, became investigator. I, I was working under Mike Blake, and you know, we had a set routine, and and Mike is like this. He runs his ship the way he runs his ship, so he's been like that his whole time. So no nonsense. Everything is, you know, by the book. We had to do it. And then, you know, that's why I learned a lot of my supervisor skills also. So, you know. Hey, that's good because you had good yeah. bosses. So you just oh, yeah, had them. bosses, you know. Even, you know, even going up when I got to uh, auto crime too. I was in auto crime. Um, I had a good friend of mine. We didn't let anybody know we were friends. Uh, Lieutenant at the time, David Little, retired as a captain. Uh, that guy thought the money was coming out of his pockets. I love him, you know. He's still friends <laughs> to the day. But, you know, we have to respect him. He's the boss. And um, and at the end of my career, I had the, I had the uh, pleasure and the honor of working for Lieutenant Cornicello from Homicide. Um, very, very, very strong guy. Uh, me and him bumped heads in the beginning, but I respect him, you know, through and through to this day. Because, you know, we all have different ways of supervising, but, you know, He's a he's a great great investigator, great boss, you know, loving to death, you know. So that's great, man. Yeah, but you know, you know how it is being in the squad. You got to trust the people you're around, and he gave me the opportunity to work for him in Homicide, and uh, I was happy for that. I had the uh, pleasure of having a really good team. Uh, unfortunately, I lost uh, one of my guys, two of my guys actually. Um, I lost one to a horrific accident. Um, and I lost another one to 9-11 with cancer, you know, Johnny Christopherson. Um, he was a really, really great guy. He was the, uh, he was the soul of the team, you know, held everybody together. So, you know, he's dearly missed, dearly yeah. missed. You know, Sean, I, I know this year is, uh, this September is the 20 year anniversary right. and everyone has their own memories of 9-11 specifically right. responding to the scene. And I, I want to just for commemoration reasons, meet with the three guys that I was with that day. At least, mm -hmm. you know, maybe have dinner together a week before or something. And I was yeah. with uh, Billy Hicks, Jimmy Zarakis, and Zedekiah Jennings. Mm -hmm. And uh, that shows you the when they talk about the melting pot of New York City, there was myself, a white mm -hmm. guy, Jennings from St. Thomas, a black guy, Billy Hicks, a black guy from Brentwood, mm -hmm. Long Island, and Jimmy Zarakis. <laughs> A big Greek guy from Long Island who was a wrestler, you know. Yeah. That's the you know. And something yeah. responding there. I remember we were the first building had come down just as we had left at two three, mm -hmm. and on the way down at the FDR, which was empty except mm -hmm. for emergency vehicles, Billy Hicks said, "You know, let's park at South and Pike, and we'll walk from there." Mm -hmm. And I said, "That's a good idea, Billy." And we walked, and that decision that he made and I listened to probably saved our lives. Yeah. I mean, if you reflect back to those days, and I was a midnight uh, sergeant, and I, it was, I remember, I think, A2 or A3, and um, I just got off, and my daughter was going to Merrick Day School, so I'm trying to rush home. And then uh, I heard over the news that uh, plaintiffs hit the building, and I turned around because they said it wasn't sounding right. And is this the atmosphere of this still quiet and everything? I get back to the 6-7, and let me tell you something. Every one of those men and women working in that command was going out there for free if they had to. Yep. And 
for brothers and sisters. We all joined together hand by hand and we couldn't get, we would stuff in the cars. They was like, stop, stop. We need people to go later. And um, I had a, I had a team ready to go. And I remember I had a rookie uh, female and her father was a, um, uh, a battalion chief in the fire department. And she's telling me that they can't find them. And I was like, don't worry about it. You can't worry about it. And um, they found him the next day when we were down there. And um, it was, it was, it was sad. It was, it was yeah. sad. But just when we got down there, it's just the, the smell of the burning bodies and, and this, the, how the air was and trying to get around and, you know, it never leaves you. It never leaves you. And um, my last day actually working down in 9-11 was uh, Thanksgiving Day of 2001. And I was patrol supervisor with another guy, this guy, uh, John Ferrone. And uh, we were both down there on Thanksgiving Day as patrol supervisors. And, you know, so this is where we're spending a Thanksgiving. This is this has got to suck, you know. But later on, you know, they need this out there, you know. This we were out there for everyone, for all the brother, uh, brothers and sisters in blue, and the, and the people of the city of New York, you know. You know, Sean, there was such like a warm feeling, yeah. uh, the way the citizenry felt about the police back then. Right. I, I wish that the cops now could feel what that was like because they're. So underappreciated right now, you know. You know what? Um, I I think that that's all going to come back. You know, we all. If you remember how the police department was years ago, like we'll use the colors of the shirt when they were all dark, and then they went to light. Um, I think the the respect that you know for the community and for the police, these are all going to come back. We just have to give it some time. Um, there's a lot of things going on that. Politically, they put the police involved in that they shouldn't have been involved in. And even with this COVID thing, you know, it's it's hard. You know, you got to these men and women out there trying to protect the, the citizens of the city of New York, which you and I did for over 20 some odd years. Um, but it's, it's things are going to come around. You know, I pray every day that the people realize that the good men and women that are on the force, they're out, they're out there to help them. And I think that's going to be a big thing, hopefully, in this next election, that they'll recognize that the men and women of the NYPD are out there to help them. You know, you got some great people. Look at Jeff Madry. Jeff Madry. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Boss. I'm going to tell you something. We were bosses. He was my lieutenant when I first got to the 6-7. That guy is a, a good man through and through. The job is lucky. They have somebody like Jeff Madry, you know. Um I, I can't, the words can't express how, how much of a inspiration is to a lot of these young uh, officers, you know, coming up because they, they are trying to mimic what he did. He was a street guy. He was an anti-crime in the 110, you know, he was a 7-7 as a sergeant, tenant in the 6-7, you know, he did his thing coming up and now he was respected by the officers, he was respected by every community he worked in, you know. Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. And, you know, right. something I feel for the cops today because mm -hmm. of the lack of support. And it, it seems like the NYPD is the punching bag for the politicians, you know. Yeah, and when I think of the ineptitude of these politicians, the police department is the most competent agency in the whole city. Yeah. They, you know, it is. They they are. I mean, I, I love, like I said, I, I still believe blue through and through. I love the department. 
You know, I was, like I said, if it was for the NYPD, I wouldn't have got the jobs that I did after leaving the NYPD. And I'm, you know, I respect the, uh, you know, the men and women today still going out there and doing it. My kids are still going in and out of the city and I get nervous, but I got to leave it in God's hands that, you know, they'll go to the safe area, but they have good men and women out there protecting them, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah. And you know what? I think, you know, uh, we, we have still good leaders in the police department. Um, we have, uh, you know, the new chief of department, Rodney Harrison. We were, we were undercovers, you know, and uh, we were squad in the seven one squad. I was in night watch, and you know, uh, his XO Miguel Iglesias. He was my undercover in narcotics. You know, these guys are two or three star chiefs now. You so, know, Sean, it's so amazing yeah. the the um, the amount of years that go by when you're on the police right. department, and how you can run into people thirty years later and still have a warm feeling about them, greet them in public, hey, and they still remember you all the time. Well, you know, you know? what? The, the people that is mentioned, they are real people. They're not phonies. They they didn't get up the rank and forget where they came from. You know, like I said, uh, especially with the current administration, like Jeff Madry, hey, what's going on? I, you know, we sit there, we see each other at different events. When I was when I had the privilege and the honor to work for the Honorable Ken Thompson at the Brooklyn DA's office, who passed away in his third year, um, I used to run to all these people at all these different events. And let me tell you something, they were all still, hey Sean, how you doing? That's good, you know, because not only that we were Brooklyn. Well, all cops. those guys, the guys who ran away when I walked up. <laughs> no, 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 no. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, we gotta take we gotta take a quick break, Mark. All right, do your thing. Okay. Hey, just so everybody knows, if you're enjoying the show, please uh, trust us on this. Uh, we have uh, an inside thing here. We know the what the best hot sauce in the world is, and the best hot sauce in the world is Silk City hot sauce. It's made in small batches using pure ingredients and locally grown peppers, and uh, they have a lot of amazing different uh, flavors from mild to wild. And if you go on to SilkCityHotSauce.com and you enter the coupon code OTC, you can put, you can get a 15% discount on Bobby's Big Chipotle, Aztec Attack, Badass Jew, Slurp, Mango Madness, Climate Change, Man uh, Maple Dragon, Killer Hot, and Ghost Whisper. And trust me, I, I love hot sauce, and this is the best hot sauce that I've ever had. All right, so go check it out, SilkCityHotSauce.com. Don't forget to use your coupon code OTC to get a 15% discount. Well done, Mark. Thank you. Yeah, oh, Mark. That was, the best, that was the best you've ever read that copy. Yeah. You said that last week, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just want to give a shout out to uh, Teddy Crow, like Russell Crow, uh, Terry Crow. And he's from Knoxville, Tennessee. And he went out of his way to uh, send me a couple of patches that Bill and I received over here that for both of us. Bill, you're going to. Wow, gonna... that's great, man. Yeah. And, uh, and, and a coin. And in return, we're going to send him uh, a mug. I just have to get to the post office, and uh, I don't know what it's like getting to the post office in in, in Tennessee. But uh, let me tell you something: a big pain in the ass trying to get there here in New York. So <laughs> please be patient, Terry. That's all I'm saying. I'll get there. I'll get there soon. I promise. Sean, you know something? Yes. When when you first uh, retired, was it 2002? You retired? No, I actually left in. I actually left uh, 2012. January. I'm sorry, 2012. 2012. I retired too. Yeah. <laughs> now you the first job you had cuz you have you've had more jobs 
than any <laughs> retired guy that I know after he left hey, the department. What was your first job? I, I had the uh, great honor and, um, to work at the United Nations. Um, I actually worked for the United Nations Development Program for the number three uh, undersecretary in the UN, the former prime minister of New Zealand, Miss Helen Clark. I was uh, in charge of her detail. Um, very, very um, positive woman. Um, love her to death. You know, she was she was stern. I always get these stern bosses at the end of my career, but uh, we had a great, great working relationship. A lot of traveling, you know, but it's, um, I was, like I said, I was honored to have that position. I was there for like three and a half years. I get a phone call from a friend, tells me that um, a new DA is coming into Brooklyn. He's looking for somebody to go on this detail. And I said, okay, no problem, you know, because at the UN they have contracts. So you get year, uh, one year contract. So I was a little nervous coming out the bat and out of the box. I didn't know how long I was going to be there. So um, I could have been there like another four years or another year, depending on how long the administrator was staying. So I took the opportunity and go. I went to the Brooklyn DA's office where I was assigned to the executive protection detail. Um, I actually did that for same thing, about three and a half years, and then the DA passed away. But in that short period of time, um, I got promoted two times. So, and then as of leaving there, I was the uh, in charge of the command center, which is the largest uh, command center at DA's office. I think is we're the largest. I think the third largest in the country. So we had over 600 attorneys and stuff like that. Um, still very close with the wife and children. Um, you know, it, every time his birthday was a week before mine, and he passed away at 51 years old from colon cancer. Wow. So you know what? I always tell people, make sure you get your test. You know, it's a, it's a very, very, you know, easy thing to do. But, you know, it hurt. It hurt, you know, watching him pass away like that. Um, that was one of the reasons I left the, that office and, uh, I had the opportunity to work for a good friend, Loretta Kennedy. And, That's uh, right. That's right. Yeah. Loretta <laughs> Kennedy, you know, what yeah, a, well, what a, what he worked at Jet Blue, Blue, right? Jet yeah. Blue. Let me tell you something. What a wonderful woman. She is a great boss. She's outstanding. Um, she didn't no nonsense. She stands up toe to toe to anybody. When she came on the show, she hit a, a grand slam. People, still let me tell you something. She, you know, if every company could have somebody like her, you know, it would be a home run. You know, I hope she's enjoying her retirement with her family and her grandchildren. Very, very excellent supervisor and manager. Um, and the only reason I left JetBlue is that my daughter tells me told me that she got uh, she's going to grad school and she uh, going back to St. John's. And I looked up the price and I said. 75 grand i said i get a better job <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah so i started hitting the circuits and stuff and that's how i ended up in tlc so uh oh hey wait you take it easy man you're jumping jobs right on the show <laughs> you can't keep up with this <laughs> yeah so, step woman thank you so much for that 999 super sticker you're, you're the best thank hey, you don't so forget much. about uh blondie uh 1025 she also did a five dollar uh, super uh, super chat. Thank you, Blondie. And uh, we have to say hello to the Lieutenant Pete Pranzo, and of course Richella Pranzo. They're they're here every single week. They're two of our biggest supporters. And Michael Lieutenant, Cologne too. Don't forget about Michael. Michael Cologne. Cologne. That's right. Uh, Janice Raycraft. She says uh, hi. She didn't know more. Janice, that's my girl. Night watch. 
Oh, oh she was one God. of the Night Watch people. Oh, Janice was the best. You talking yeah. about yeah, cooking and knitting? Oh, Janice is the excellent. <laughs> oh, At least man. eating Max Scully, um, Scott Wagner. Uh huh. Who else we got Miss here? Angela. Uh, Miss Angela, three, two, three, three. Miss Angela. You know, some people like uh, 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 that I don't even know say, oh, we don't like when you shout out to the people. I go, dude, change the channel. Yeah, you know, you don't <laughs> like it? That's too bad. Go sure, sure. on, do, do your own show. Get your own podcast, you know? Yeah, listen, this is, this is the evolution. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is what happens. Let me tell you something. I'm hearing some names, man. I'm really starting to get emotional. You know, say Janice, you know, we had it. It was great back in the days in, in Nightwatch. Me and my old partner, my daughter's godfather, uh, you know, we were, I think we had six or seven years on the job with detectives. We go into the Brooklyn South, the borough, we're doing Nightwatch. The next closest person to us had 18 or 19 years on the job. <laughs> we're there. You were Nightwatch? Uh, yeah, I was in Nightwatch. Brooklyn when? Nightwatch. Seven years Brooklyn. on the job? Seven years on the job. So you made detective, and then you went to Night Watch. I went detective. I was still in OCCB for a while, and then I went to Night Watch. Wow, that's early to be in Night Watch. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I mean, I got a chance to learn from a lot of senior detectives there. Um, hey, great, great job. You know, before we run out of time, let's talk about because you were the you were the uh, a sergeant in Brooklyn North Homicide Squad. Tell, yes, tell us that you must have. I mean, how many murders were like? Uh, you were in the heyday. There was a lot of murders out there. Um, I, you know, it was it was um, it was sad to see a lot of young people getting murdered for nonsense. You know, you shouldn't get murdered for anybody. Anytime it's a loss of life, and you know, it's it's sad. But um, like Bill can tell you, also um, Brooklyn was just a little crazy, especially in the north. And uh, we were split up into teams. Like we would four and twos. So it wasn't like other boroughs had five on, two off. We were, I was actually in a team with my guys. So we did four on, two off. And I think um, we were still catching somewhere like 150, some odd homicides, you know, uh, for a team. And um, my guys were great. Not even for the whole squad. Not even for the whole squad. I mean, um, I was in the I was the E team supervisor. I, I think between the E team and the A team, we what were talking we talk about. about what you what years are we talking about? Uh, I was in homicide from 2009 until I retired. So, but we had a lot of this stuff. We were always living in the 75, 81, 73, you know, all the heavy commands, 79. Sean, Sean, I had one of your detectives on, uh, Sean McTie, talking about yes. the Amet Sanguian case, which you guys yes. did an unbelievable job on. Not just you, but the 75 squad. Yeah, uh, crime scene. Every that was a big forensic case. Yeah, you know the men and women that work in homicide. I take my hats off to them. They're excellent, excellent investigators. They do a a job that nobody else wants to do. Um, just like in special victims, you know, it's a hard job. You got to deal with this and going to the going to the morgue and and I think the first time I saw a baby, how they did the autopsy of the baby. I was emotional for like three or four days. I was like, I got to take off because Billy, you know how you, it's very, very depressing, you know? Yeah, and, it's horrible. Yeah. Those and, were the hardest, the, the baby homicides was yes. the hardest, you know? And we got a few in Brooklyn uh, during my time. And even when I was in the seven, nine, they had the Nixberry Brown case, uh, which uh, one of my uh, guys had, um, 
Steve, and he did an excellent job on that with the guys from the homicide office, you know. So um, that was a fa- that was a famous for our listeners. That was a famous yes. child abuse case that um, they you know they wanted to know how this slipped through the cracks because she was abused for a long time. I mean, I had a case. They had a six year old kid. Um, and I think she was uh, 40, I think she was like less than 45 pounds. She was all skin and bones. And uh, it was over in um, the 8 1. And all you found on the table was uh, beer bottles and, and um, half smoked blunts. You know, it was, it was very sad. And I know ACS has a very difficult job, but, you know, we got to start paying attention to these kids more. I mean, just like the poor little 10 year old boy who was killed up in Harlem the other day by the your mother's boyfriend, you know, and chief Madry said it the best. If you get a call and you hear something about a kid yelling and screaming and crying, you knock on every one of those doors until you get that person because, you know, a, a young person's life shouldn't be, uh, tormented like that by somebody, you know, they didn't ask to come you know, to the Sean, you, you know, as well as I do when as a patrol supervisor, I'm sure you removed a lot, a lot of kids and I did oh, too. Yeah. And yeah. it was our job to make the determination that this kid's in imminent danger. And it didn't take much for me to determine that. No. If I and saw you know no why? food. Because and, we're parents, we're parents and we yeah. know how we treat our children. And our thing is that I want to make sure that child is safe. Just like at my current job at the Delphi, um, I treat them as my own children. And I want to make sure that every parent knows that if they send their child to that university, I'm going to treat them like my own. I want to make sure they have a good education and that they actually are safe and they don't have to worry about their children. If they have anything, they know to call me. No? Sure, you know Sean, I'll tell you something. You're a great man. and The only problem I'd have at Delphi is that you're going to leave for your next job soon. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, how long have you been there? Sean, how long have you been there? Uh, I've been there since January. Been there since oh, January. no. Oh, no. <laughs> no so just let them know they got three years left. Uh, no, you know what? This is three and a half years. That's your limit, man. Three and a yeah, half years. Yeah, like, you know what? You're dating. Yeah, you know but... you're dating. And then, like, she's like, well, you know, we've been together for three years. What are we doing? <laughs> You know, this is not, this is, this is a, all of them are good, but you know what? This is so close to home and um, I'm not getting any younger. I got a birthday next week. I'll be 54 years old. So I gotta, gotta slow down a little bit here, you know? Well, I'm then, uh, too, so we got a lot in common. We were uh, oh, yeah. earlier than me, but I did my 20. I got out in, uh, in 2012 too. I'm 53. Yes. Yeah. You know, and Again, we all have to slow down. We have to take advantage of, you know, I got more time behind me than I do in front of me, so I'm just trying to make it last. Yeah, you're in the like the, you're in the late third quarter. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the fourth quarter though. I'm ten years older than you guys. You oh, know. listen, I am but, definitely you know, in the fourth quarter right now. Two minutes into the fourth yeah. quarter, right now. <laughs> That's yeah. right. But how's your son doing, Billy? Billy, how's my your son's son doing? doing great, you know. Oh, uh, you know, I love him with that. Oh, I, great, I know. Sean tried to help my my oldest son numerous yeah. times. He uh-huh. wound up getting a job in uh, cybersecurity, and he's working great. right next door to, in the next room. <laughs> great, great, great. Yeah. That's he's doing very great. well, man. He worked yeah, hard. He's got his master's yeah. in international security, so he's a good kid, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of jobs out there for him. Trust me, I know. Tell yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'll take one of yours when you leave. Oh yeah, please. You know, I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna try to wrap it up. You know, by the age of sixty-two. So, 
That's it. Calling it quits. But, uh, yeah, you know, like I said, you know, um, I want to thank everybody, you know, for allowing me to talk with you guys today um, and express my views and opinions. And, you know, like I said, working working with you, Bill, and, and in, the, in the Bureau and, and being the delegates together and the, and the Detective Bureau, it was a, it was an honor. And with Oscar, you know, Oscar uh, Fino was a lot of fun, man. Oh, yeah. Great guys, Vinny, Val Vinny Valley Long is our point man. He's still <laughs> there. Vinny's, Vinny's still yeah. there, man. I talk to him once in a while. You know, he gives me the, yeah, I'll call you back. I'll call you back. You know, yeah, I yeah. know Vinny. Oh, I know do you, know, you know who we're having on this Thursday? Who? Sergeant Ed. Oh. Ed Mullins. Ed Mullins yeah, is coming Yeah, I saw him recently. I ran into him. Uh, looking good. Looking good. Yeah. Sergeant Ed's oh. going to come on. So, uh good. He's uh, you know, he's been on our show before. He's a great okay. guest to have we on. Had a, yes. We had a ten dollar one, so I can't see. I can't see. Duty Ron, thank you so much for the ten dollar super chat. You're the thank man. You, Duty Ron. He's keeping us in business here. Yeah. Duty I'm Ron has helped us with a lot of his fans watch the police off the cuff. They go from Duty Ron to our show. And he's helped us build up our um our following on YouTube from fourteen hundred to, to three thousand sixty. And wow. we're uh, we're growing, we're growing. Sandy oh, yeah. Rivera, thank you so much. And how I want to ask you, how many coffee beans in a sambuca? <laughs> oh my goodness! How many is it? Three. Three. Yes. Three. <laughs> Bill, wow. Bill was a bartender. That was one of his many jobs before he got on the job. That's oh, right. He's still a young man running around there, professor. You know. <laughs> that, well, I just remember when we started asking, I started asking Pulaski some questions, and Sean hey. says, Cannon sounds like he's a professor. And they yep. go, That's because he is. <laughs> I'm like, wow. You know, it's it's funny in the police department, you get a lot of guys with different backgrounds, and you know, having people like that who are adjunct professors and professors and able to talk to the talk to the other members of the, the the job and let them in on their knowledge is great i mean every day was a learning experience for me in the nypd and every job i had um and like i said the nypd was great it was great i mean you know they say you don't miss the you don't miss the circus you just miss the clowns in the circus yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, like true. i said i definitely missed uh, all the men and women that i had the honor and uh and the pleasure of working with throughout those uh, 20, 20 some odd years, you know, and uh, and to reflect, like you said, I'm, I think on the 20th anniversary, I'm going to get with some of the guys from the 6-7. Um, I still keep in contact with my old crime team when I was a crime sergeant in the 6-7. Wow. And, um, you know, get together with those guys and, and, and hang out and talk with them. I got one guy, you know, two, two of my guys from my old crime team, they're in ESU. So, and you know, Keith Ferguson and I were crime sergeants. And when he went to ESU, he, you know, came back from his uh, trip from Australia and he died, you know, chasing the perp through Midtown. But, um, you know, those are the kind, I see a lot of good men and women that uh, over those years that succumbed to line of duty deaths or, you know, this passing away from, you know, whatever they had as the, high blood pressure, heart attacks. Right, you know, right. They're still, it's uh, an extended part of my family, you know. You know, Sean, the uh, the whole thing with, like, with anti-crime, for anyone that's ever worked anti-crime, 
You ask anyone, they'll say that was the best job I ever had on the whole police department was anti-crime, yeah. right? Anti-crime was good, you know. We were out there in the community. Uh, we were getting up marching orders from the uh, the inspectors or whoever your CO came in was. And um, but today they're not doing it like we did back in the days. We know we knew how to talk to people, and you know they're not doing that anymore. These a lot of young kids are they're pulled up, not even get out in the car to talk to somebody, and that's just very dangerous. You saw what happened to the young man in the one hundred five. You know. Yeah, yeah shot while he's in the car. You know, it's it's a shame. You know, um, you got to learn. Um, my old partner, when I first came on the job, he was he came on the job in '73. You know, and you know how it was back then, Bill. You tell you, hey, yeah. sit there, shut up, don't uh, don't touch the radio until I tell you to. Right, you right. know, and and he like he said, the job is so easy in the police department. You're filling out the boxes. You know, check this box, check that box, put that person's name in there. It's over with the 61 or the 80 card or the toe tag, the MV 104. It's just filling the filling the blanks. Right, you know? right. You know, and at the time we all got hired, the pay was a lot less than what they, these kids are getting now. You know. Thank you, Ryan Investigative Group, for the five dollar super chat. Thank you, Bugsy Cruiser, Kathy Schumacher. Are you another one that worked with Sean? I don't know. <laughs> Is there a Kathy yeah. Schumacher in your past, Sean? Oh, I don't. I don't remember the name, but okay. Hey, don't oh, forget Katie. I cheated no more. Five dollar. Uh, uh, I don't know the difference between the super chat. And well, thank you. Cheated no more. We really appreciate it. And uh, now, now, Sean, what uh, at Adelphi? Mm -hmm. I know you're like the incident commander and the uh, emergency management commander. Right. But what is your day to day interaction with the students? Well. My personal interaction is I have a um, I keep a sergeant with me who is like the admin sergeant. Um, I have him right now during this whole COVID crisis. Um, we have student workers that actually go into most of the uh, general areas where the students are, say, um, hanging out, doing their work or having something to eat. I have them pretty much walk around and making sure that uh, everybody is properly masked up. Um, dealing with any kind of issues they may have going on in this in the campus, any conflicts, um, threat assessment. You know, if we have a conflict between a student and a teacher, um, and like I said, diversity training, which is really big now with you know everything that's going on, and like you know, uh, the Title IX incidents that we have to stay on top of, which are very very sensitive in today's climate. So. Um, I have to pretty much keep my finger and pulse on that and make sure that everything is running uh, smoothly. And uh, my boss, uh, who's director of security, you know, we uh, pretty much do the, all the investigations together and uh, we, we sit down. We have two or three going on right now and um, we're pretty much getting ready to wrap them up. You know, we work together with the Garden City Police Department, Nassau County Police Department, and we have to get uh, outside law enforcement involved, but pretty much we try to handle everything in house. But you know, so sure. Let me ask you because you were uh, a sergeant in Brooklyn North homicide, and you you mentioned a couple of times having your finger on the pulse. What do you think? What do you think is uh, our future here in New York City? Uh, well, I guess in Long Island. But what do you think is going to get better before it gets worse? What, what's going to happen? No, you know, it's just like in every situation. 
we gotta we gotta pray and hope that everything will get better. And I I believe it is. Uh, I believe uh, with the right leadership going forward, and I think they're trying to put all the puzzles together now to get the right combination. I think we can get the city back up and running, and we can get a we can get a hold on this uh, unnecessary shootings with these young adults out in the street, unnecessary shootings, the gang activity. We can you know pretty much quell that. Um, but again, you know, we have to just make sure it's done the right way. I mean, um, I know you had talked about the funding, but I mean, it's just reallocating some money to better training here and there because some of the stuff like we have in the police department was probably around from like the 60s. So we can, you know, update some some of the material that we have now that they're teaching in the academy, um, get, these, get these young officers trained a little better. And because um, you know how the young generation is now, they just all they want to do is text. They don't have any personal skills of going out and talking to the public. You know, I know both of you, when you were young, you had foot posts and you knew who the people were on your block. Today, they don't know that because uh, I talked to some of these people. They never, they never had a foot post in their life because they said they can't do that to them anymore. Well, like, impact, what? they have impact. impact. Yeah. They're um, partners, though. And, and I know somebody who's been doing that for five years now. Right. So, but I, I don't understand. Like, if you don't work with a – see, that's what the division comes in. If you're doing this impact, you're working by yourself. Okay, there's another guy across the street, whatever, and another guy in the next corner. But you're not working with a partner. You know what I'm saying? You're not really associating yourself with everybody else who's on your tour as much as we used to. Well, you remember, like, back in the days, they had the nine squad charts, and that's when everybody got to know a little piece of the – the community because they worked at day, they worked the four to twelve, they worked the midnight, you know, the five two, five two, five three. But uh I think back, I think it was like ninety one, ninety two when they went to the steady chart. I think that kind of we had like three separate police departments at that time. Yeah, yeah. Everybody says that, yeah. And it's a shame because, you know, at least you knew what was going on in your command and maybe at the same sector on all those different tours. Um, and you and we have the CPOP guys out there too. If something happened in that area, that CPOP guy can tell you, listen, it was this person over here who did this, or did you talk to uh, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Brown who lived around the corner? She knows what's going on. We don't have that anymore, and I think that we have to get back to that. So hopefully that uh, some of the leaders that we have now in the police department or soon to be new leaders that they address that situation is more uh, community policing um, because I think that's a really big thing now. So the officers can know what's going on in the community and not just sit in the car all day. And it's like, when is a 1550 coming or 1535 coming, you know? Yeah. It seems like uh, for patrol anyway, the, the, what the task is, if you get up, it, obviously everybody has to start off on patrol, but right now, um, when things are this bad, just doing patrol, everybody wants to get out. Everybody wants to go to a detail. Everybody wants to find something else to do. Yeah, you but have to you remember it. you remember back in the days, you had to have at least five years on the job to even get into anti-crime. You had to have five years to see, put an application to go someplace. Now, if you write 15 summonses, you get a you get the anti-crime. That's not the way <laughs> that's not the way to do the job, you know. Let's do it the correct way. Let them earn like you earn your seat in your car, you know, you have to go yeah. out there, you have to, you know, know your community, know what's going on. You know, if you can tell me 
you know, who owns this bodega, who owns that bodega, who owns that beauty shop, you know, who's the president of that law firm over there, you know, let me know. You know, Jacoby and Myers. Yeah. Hey, uh, Bill Ryan says when the cops in the George Floyd case are found not guilty, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen, but you're going to see the whole country go deeply anti-police. It'll be Rodney King's time times 10. I don't think those guys are going to be found not guilty. I don't, I don't think that at all. I can't imagine that. But Well, there was just a thing with the autopsy, though. They said that he had enough fentanyl in him to kill him. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Maybe you're right, Bill. There's a possibility. They said the amount of drugs he had him would have killed him if – I don't know if, in fact, the knee on his neck killed him. But I don't know what the autopsy totally determined, but – they said, I think they said that the knee on the neck contributed to his death, which makes it a, a homicide. Right? Yeah, I don't think there's anything, any verdict that could uh, they could come up with that is going to satisfy. Uh, there's going to be, there's going to be what there's going to be. That's it. Whether yeah. good or bad, they, we're going to have to deal with it. I mean, what, what they're going on uh, right now. They just write it this past week about Breonna Taylor. So, um, you know, there's no. They're going to riot. That's that's not what you have to concern yourself with. Well, I think, you know, with that, they have to, the politicians have to back the police because I still don't understand the whole, without bringing up the whole case, the Breonna Taylor case, they're, they're, they're conducting a warrant. The boyfriend shoots at them. They return fire. She gets killed. How is that the police's fault? It was his fault, you know? There's a lot of stuff that 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 follows before that comes before that, which is uh, the dead body in the car uh, that that was under underneath her name. There's a lot of things that that go along with it. it just basically indicate that you know we're not talking about an angel here. You know? No, what I'm no, no. Anywho, that's. But for- you know, Sean, one of the things though too that I I find a little bit, and I mean, I wish I could be as optimistic as you are about the police department, but. I see a national uh, effort by a lot of people to be anti-police. And, for example, a lot of the new technologies really help the police. And a lot of of these people are trying to take them away. For example, facial recognition. They're trying to take facial recognition. Gang investigative databases. They're trying to take them away in New York City. I mean, they took away the stop, question, and frisk database. you know, uh, we, we have the technology uh, pl- of plate readers. You know, that's been challenged by the ACLU. And um, there's a lot of other things, shot spotters, all of those things that really make. They're all reminders of the stuff that we have, but should we be using them? They want you to use them in case of emergency. Can you ask us if you can use this, please? That's what they want. They want to like, you know, oh, you're going to like the way we have to do the the the. To get, uh, remember, phone records used to be so easy to get, and then all of a sudden you had to jump through hoops, and then it got even worse. Like they don't even want to give you anything anymore. So I think that's because the police department abused the hell out of the phone companies. Well, right? yeah, I mean, we were doing you know. uh, stolen phones. We were running every phone number on there. It was so stupid, but <laughs> that, I mean, that was that's one of the tools. And you know, back in the days of narcotics, um, you know, I worked on a few wires and. Um, a lot of you remember back in the uh, early 90s when we had those brick type of phones and you were paying for every phone call and we were doing pen registers and stuff like that. And these guys are dumping phones left and right. So um, I think we had the probable cause to go up on the wire 
Uh, we went in front of a judge, you know, and they signed off on it. So, um, again, I mean, laws change throughout, you know, the years, but I think using the, um, using that subpoena, if you have the probable cause to go up on somebody's phone who's selling drugs or, you know, who kidnap a child, you know, we need those tools, but, you know, we have to, a lot of the public doesn't understand how the police work in certain areas, but right, again, right. um, I think that through a uh, more little education, I mean, not to be totally transparent, but we can't let them know everything we're doing because us the criminals will beat us and everything, but uh, there's a lot of great tools that the police department has at their services and, and used properly they're going to be their asset, you know. To oh, sure. They, they even want to take away uh, no-knock warrants. Yeah. A no-knock warrant protects the cops a lot of times because, when they're going into you know, a very dangerous situation. I, I believe, too, like um, when you talk about no-knock warrants, people don't understand. And like um, when we're going behind there to say to get a guy who has guns and weapons behind the door uh, and, it's, and we have a credible – source of information, you know, we need the upper hand because, as you know, sitting behind that bunker, going through the door, and now you're, like, knocking this to police, and now this guy, that person behind the door is loaning up their shotgun or whatever. It's, you know, we're, we're talking about innocent lives sometimes, but, again, you know, it's, I'm not a politician <laughs> and I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer, but they're going to have to come together and get some common ground to say, hey, listen, this is what a no-knock warrants, warrants for. And I, I think they have a, a misconception sometime when they say, was this a no-knock warrant or was it a knock warrant, you know? If you're doing a paper case, you don't need a no-knock warrant, you know? If you're doing just uh, records and stuff, so, you know, you don't need a no-knock warrant. You can say, no, okay, let's because that's what they did to uh, Roger Stone, isn't it? <laughs> they did a no-knock warrant at 5 o'clock in the morning. It was a paper case. Yeah, right, 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 exactly. But here's the point with that. It's just that, you know what? Um, unfortunately, you know, the accidents that happen nowadays, we're getting news on a national basis, on a global basis. So, for example, a cop shoots somebody in Amsterdam, um, they're looking at us over here, like, why did you do that? Like, <laughs> it's right, not right. even well, country. Not, but you know what it is. country. I, so again, until we I, can figure out. Yeah, I, I think I think I'll be honest with you, and I and I, in in my heart, I think that, um, hopefully the next in the next uh, coming election, we're gonna get some uh, more strong leaders into the into office. And to shape the police department into bringing back the respect uh, that, you know, for the community and the police have together like they had years ago. We can, like I said, I'm a big fan of like the CPOP, you know, get out there and learn your community and we can get there and we can come to a common ground together, you know? Yeah. And get I, started. I was part of Mayor Dinkins, man. I wanted to get that book, but I was, uh, they got, they took him away. I wanted to get that CPOP book, you know, that book that they used to have? Yeah, C -pop, the C -pop, yeah. Office. Remember the C-Pop office? And they yep. had a book in there, and they used to put paper. I was like, that's where I want to go. <laughs> I think the community, community policing is going to come back. It's going to come back strong. And I think that you're going to see the respect from the community and the police get back together.
I bet you on that. Hundred hours. You know, no, you, st- no. you still need the uh, the auxiliary units like anti crime. You need ant- You really yes, need anti crime. You, you know? know, if you if you looked at when they first disbanded it, they they talked to some of the leaders uh, in the communities, like in the seven five and the seven three, and they said they didn't tell you to get rid of it. They just told you, can you train the officers a little better? Nobody told you to get rid of this. You know, they but you know over the years. They changed the name of anti-crime. You know, remember back in the days was Mug and Mary and all that stuff. And transit back in the days had the decoys and they got rid of that. Right. These are all good tools we had. And they used to say it was entrapment. But, you know, it's just, it's just how you interpret it was going to be. But um, I know most of those guys from the transit division, and I know from working in the 6-7 or whatever, they were out there giving a heart to the city so they can make the subways a, a safer place where we're getting these people who who weren't abiding by the laws of the, of the city of New York and the state of New York. Oh, I got to pay to get on the train. And if you're, you get on the train with your family, you don't want to see all this stuff going on in the train, drugs and, you know, homelessness. They got to get a They got to get a handle on that as well. I mean, there should not be one veteran, that serve this country that's living on the streets. Hey, hundred percent, Sean. Hundred percent, right? Sean, I got a, an update here. Just so you know, uh, you might have another job prospect coming. You ready? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> just saying, don't, look, don't listen. Just listen to the job offer first. Uh, uh, Mayor Ted Wheeler uh, seeks two million to bring back uniformed police teams uh, to address spiking shootings, and that's in Portland, Oregon. And then look at the, <laughs> they need a supervisor there. So there goes to defund the police. Uh, uh, all in a nutshell, right there. Mayor Ted Wheeler from Portland, Oregon, is uh, like two million for a special yeah. team, and they need a leader. Yeah. Well, that was the old Topac unit. I don't think we can do that anymore. Topac. I, I yeah. love all these words two from million? the past. Topac. Any pop. <laughs> two million. I'm put, I'm setting aside. I'm uh, setting aside two hundred and fifty thousand for you. One hundred and fifty thousand up front. And then uh-huh. time, and then you're gonna get to get together. Oh, you know what? I, if if I if I was able to take that, my my part of the money would go to the Schneider's uh, Children's Hospital for all this. Because you're yeah. a beautiful man. That's why. Because you're a beautiful man. That's what you do. Yeah, I hate to see little kids who are like that in that condition. You know, even if I hit lotto, they getting they get three. You know, at least half of it because yeah. you know these young these young people today. You know, it's it's sad. You know. I go to the machine there and I'm trying to pay for my groceries and it says, do you want to give 50 Uh, cents to some children? I'm like, no, just get out of here. No, no. no, Listen, if it, if it, if it's the if it's the kids or or ASPCA, they got me. I'm you kidding. Know? <laughs> they got. Me. trying to hit you up so. for that buck on the way out. Now all of a sudden you're trying to get Yo, groceries. I, I came to watch. Dog. I came to watch the dog commercials at nighttime when they showed the dogs freezing. I'm like, I tell my wife, turn it off, turn it off. <laughs> yeah, that was a bad too. I can't see that either. I got a cat that I oh. feel. But, uh, oh she, man, she's probably waiting for me right now, waiting for dinner. Hey, listen, anyway, look, we're what? over. We're over an hour here. We got to wrap okay. it up. All right. Uh, Thank you so much again. Wait, no, no, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. Uh, before you go, Sean, we we uh, we got to do our wrap up. Oh, okay. uh, so our Patreon customers, if you're out there and you still haven't signed up for Patreon, please do that. It helps us produce the show, and uh, please visit Patreon.com. Police off the cuff. We have three tiers. We have the bucket. 
It starts off seven dollars, uh, and that's for uh, <laughs> that's for uh, <laughs> the do nothings on the job. We call them the, the, the bucket, bucket. <laughs> and, uh, and then they, they, you can polish Bill's rack for nine dollars a month, and uh, that's really his rack, by the way. And then for eleven dollars a month, you get to dip yourself in butter, and that feels really good. Trust me, when you dip yourself in butter, it feels good. Butter all over you, and you feel like you did the right thing. And also, if you haven't subscribed to us on on YouTube, please do that as well. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, Bill has a true crime show that he does for our Patreon customers, and it's it's amazing. He just I just listened to it, Tommy Dades. Uh, I really, I got, I, Mark. I just got I got to let some them know of some upcoming guests. This Thursday night, we have SBA President. Ed Mullins, Sergeant Ed will be on. Well, that's me and you, right? Yes. Okay. And mon Monday, we have retired Chief Joe Fox. Wow. Who wow. is a oh, fantastic, fantastic Excellent. guest. Excellent. Yeah, I, I, you know, I can't believe I had I didn't ask him already. I, I, yeah. I mean, or before this. So I right. just asked him. All you got to do is look at his Instagram page, Bill. He's, oh, no. doing, he's doing big things. Big he is. Things. And what, what a man. What a great man. Oh, yeah. Is, you know? Yes. I mean, Excellent. The guy is like a priest. He gives. He gives every. He's always. You know. He's the rah rah guy for the NYPD. He's the, he's the godfather of Brooklyn South. <laughs> That's amazing. You know. And yeah. on this is a surprise sort of, but I'm going to let you guys know that are listening. On April sixth, I have I have Tommy Dades coming back. Okay. And ah. we have a retired Colombo hitman <laughs> coming on. Uh, I, I'm not going to give you the name right now, but it's going to. They both grew up in the same neighborhood, and it's actually Steve Steve Mazza, and okay. they both grew up in the same neighborhood. One became a cop, and one became a wise guy, and it's going to be an unbelievable show. And that's on April sixth on Real Crime Stories. It's going to. I'll, I'll. I'm going to promote it um, and send out a flyer, and uh, it's going to be an unbelievable show. Make sure so, you send me that link. Like, I, I, I definitely will. You know, Sean, you are you are even. I always liked you, and now I even like you more, man. You know, you're you're one hell of a guy, man. You really thank are. Thank you, thank you. I I'm just blessed. Thank you. No, huh? I said I never knew you before, but I like you now. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> but you Sean, know, next just, time I go to the SBA Christmas party, yeah, and you're hanging yeah, out you with know, like the table. Old table, old table, big guy. That's right. We, we used to hang and have dinner together, yeah. and all of those things, talking sergeants yes. matters, right? Oh yeah, and we got great Oscar too. We can't forget about Oscar, Oscar Ferrafino. That's you know, right. And, and hopefully we can tie Vinny down. He's not, you know, he's a big shot now. He's Vinny the Valo vice president. He's, he's great. I love Vinny. Man. Yeah, good man. But yeah, good I love man. definitely. And you know what? Let's not make this this talking online or YouTube. You know, I was glad to hear from you. I'm glad you reached out to me. And it was just nice hearing your voice and, you know, forget a text. Let's just call each other and yeah, say, hello, how you brother. doing, how the family's doing. You too, brother. Listen, part of the family now. <laughs> hey, I'm going to hit you up for a job, man. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm just trying to hit Lotto, big guy. Yeah, he doesn't want any more jobs. He's had enough jobs. Nah, so I, had, I, had I, enough. I need the job. I, I could use the job, man. Yeah, well, you know what? My job is to make sure these kids grow up and, you know, and uh, hopefully there's no rule book to this thing. So I'm doing it all on what I learned from my, well, my parents raised me. You know, all kidding aside, I have a daughter. She's in college. She's graduating right, right now in, in June. But, uh, okay. you know, I, I don't know who's in charge of security up there. Never even dawned on me to look into it. Or Which, what school she go to? She goes to Cortland. 
Okay, listen, big guy, you got my number. Call me. We hey, uh, he's I try to stay. My I point. try to stay. We have we have a network, uh-huh. and we can you know always network because we have to look out for our kids, you know, and they they do the right thing. Is there's a guy in St. John's retired issue captain, you know. We all we all have our own little network. Knowing okay. that if, if if my kid went to uh, uh to Adelphi, you know what I'm yeah. saying? I'd be very happy knowing that you were in charge. Let me tell you something. Your daughter will be like, He gave me lunch today. He bought me lunch. We bought we bought a young uh, girl today. She didn't have any, you know, she didn't have any money on her card and me and my boss yeah. we, we uh, pay for her to have lunch, you know. No, so, if you're out there and your child goes to Adelphi, feel you should be very comfortable. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Really appreciate that. You know, that was oh. that was beautiful. I would feel comfortable knowing my daughter was going to your school. Oh, let me tell you something. It's an excellent university. Uh, great, great leadership there. But again, like I said, we got to call each other. You know, all this text and stuff for the young kids. Let's get on our hard line. That's right. That's my, that's my message on my cell phone. If you call me, I said, let's go old school, man. Leave yeah, a message. Hard line. So. That's right. People, leave a message. I want to hear your beautiful voice. There we go. So you know, I made a mistake before. It's actually. Larry Mazza, not Stephen Mazza. It's Tommy Dades and Larry Mazza on yeah. April the 6th. Sh- Sean, you're the best, yes. brother, and I will thank call you. you. Thank you so much. Thank and you. No, no, thank you. You know something? I can't believe I didn't invite you earlier either because you were a fantastic right, listen, guest. I'm, I'm glad you got to me when you did, you know, and I'm glad to be part of your part of your show. But thank you again. You're the you man, guys brother. have a blessed day. <laughs> you too. You too. Okay. To all Police Off the Cuff fans, thank you so much for watching. And on behalf of Mark DeMeo and Bill Cannon, good night. Good night.